0: In the first part of our interview with Bob Maynard, we got a little of his background. He's one of the most interesting people any of us have met. And we started to explore a concept from the airline industry called purposeful noncompliance. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, go back and do that before you start here. This is the second part of our three-part interview with Bob. We've included at the beginning of this episode just a few seconds from before where we left off in part one just enough to get our context back on the conversation. So here's part two of our interview with Bob. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoyed recording this. You know where I stand on this, I think. Go ahead with it. Well, no, no, I mean. I don't even know what we're talking about right now. (laughs) We're being kind of vague. (laughs) The last time we dipped our toe in the breaking policies thing, it didn't go well and we didn't put the episode out.
1: Oh, so stop here.
0: Right. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to derail us there. But that that is purposeful noncompliance, and I have done it before. Yeah, but I think there there was also a component, and Bob, get in here when you can. Uh, Golly, that's probably should. F- there was there was a, and I hate to put it this way, but it was an accepted risk. I knew what I thought might happen if this doesn't
2: work out. And I still did it anyway. This was a, you know, having an action, going to do something. And there was clear policy says you do not do that. But there at some point. So let's take the DC-10. You said there's a possibility that they got into
0: something that they weren't anticipating. And they had to make the plane take the 3Gs. And I'm just, I have no idea. But let's just say there was a crew on the ground in trouble. And they were the only plane anywhere near. Yeah. That's purposeful noncompliance, but they knew what they were doing going into it. For a purpose.
2: And they were willing to take the consequences. Right. Yeah.
3: That's true, but what is the policy? The policy is basically that you leave yourself enough margin to climb out of that valley. Right. So um, there, there may... There may be another airplane on scene that can do a better job than you can do, can get in closer than you can get in. Or maybe a helicopter can get in closer than you can get in. So that needs to be in the formula when you're working in these multiple um, element emergency kind of things. Uh, You know, you don't take the biggest airplane you have and send it into the tightest valley
2: that you have. I I bet, though, Bob, we'll push back on you a little bit here. Uh, Out of complete respect, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> I would be willing to bet that in your, your flight time during Vietnam, you had to make decisions oh, oh yeah. that were well outside of policy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the,
3: most of those decisions were made in areas that had no policy to it. Well, was, that was convenient. Yeah, the whole <laughs> helicopter. Because we didn't do <laughs> We do what the hell we want. Nobody right. ever been here. <laughs> That's right. Because we did not do a good job of leading up to that conflict with developing helicopter procedures, policies, et cetera. So, yeah, it basically was invented as we go along. So it was up to the individual managers, the company, you know, platoon leaders, captains, et cetera, to sort of rein in everybody and make sure that we were not doing stupid things all the time. But, yeah, you're right.
0: Because this was, you're talking about the beginning of air cavalry. Yeah, and everything. exactly. Helicopters had not been used like that before. That's right.
3: They were never used that way in Korea, and uh, they just, the machinery wasn't available. So, right. yeah, this was the first time. So, it, down at the bottom of that particular slide, slide. <laughs> <laughs> handout is um, kind of the organizational aspect of it. Is Do I have that right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. No, no. That's oh. the wrong slide. This one. Um, and that is the organization. Should we make these available? <laughs> <laughs> no, do no, I don't think that's a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. I'll give them to you. Oh, yeah. 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 thank yeah. you. <laughs> no, I mean, I just made Conversation starters. To Saturday, so. <clears throat> any rate, the operational uh, organizational aspects of this thing is the number one bullet that it defined down there is define what's acceptable and what's unacceptable. So that's that's really important in the part of management um, and then demonstrate compliance and leadership and et cetera, et cetera. So demand professionalism is the last one.
2: So I think it does come down to leadership and it's from the top. It's all of it. It's the, it's the senior firefighter. It's the person riding up, riding seat that particular day when the boss is off or, or somebody's riding up for battalion and, you know, it's, and those are tough, man, because that culturally, that that's such a your your fellow firefighters are so freaking we're so hard on each other, you know, like oh, you just got promoted, <laughs> and all of a sudden now we're following the damn rules, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, but um, well, no the thing
1: I talk about all the time is you just get promoted, and they expect you to have the same level of knowledge that the 10-year guy you're replacing, yeah. and you're just like, wait a minute, I, that I just secret, got the spot. That man. secret book, go. I, I just I just took the test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's into this, please the um
3: i can go uh, ahead well i can tell you we have a couple now this is this is going to be hard to to flip over to your regime of how you do things or uh, the field that you work in but we have several areas that are just uh rank with pink um, and that is wait what's rank with pink pink mean? is the
2: purposeful <laughs> non compliance yeah, oh
0: okay i got gotcha. you
2: <laughs> one is <laughs> i felt good he's a, he's a i knew something that he did wow <laughs> the,
3: the number one is uh flying with no passengers all right if you're just repositioning an airplane from point a to point b you are much more likely to encounter folks that are going to do stuff because they're not being observed just, and they're responsible for themselves yeah, just, only just me right right so i don't know if it's the you know you got a rig where you send the guys out to uh the grocery store to get dinner but they got to be back for a five o'clock meeting. Now we usually don't, you know, put the lights and the siren on to go through the intersection here, but we're going to do it today, just for the hell of it. I mean, I don't know if that ever happens with you. I'm sure it does. Those are the kind of things where you really need to step on folks, and and get called, um, and and make sure that they comply, because you know that's an area that's easy to
0: fix. So say it again. It's what what is it that we're we're talking about? Perfect. Well, for us,
3: it's flights without passengers. So, so it's a, that's your number one area. Yeah, for so, it be in, being right. alone. so it would be maybe, a you know, transferring a truck from your station right. to maintenance or something.
0: Or just not running on a, on an emergency call Yeah, where we just think yeah, exactly. <clears throat> when we go on emergencies, it's a heightened sense and it's a, right. we, we turn, we flip that switch and we we say, okay, now we're in game mode, and this isn't game mode, and we're just driving around right. doing territory or flushing hydrants or with, whatever.
3: With Without passengers, there's a tendency to say, yeah, hold my beer, watch this. You know, I'm going to say, can you think this airplane can go there's to 41? There's nobody to hold the
1: beer. 41,000, let's yours. give it a try, you know. <laughs>
2: I'm trying to see how where that correlates for us. For me, it was
1: fill-ins. When I'd send somebody to fill in, and they were by themselves for that time period, they would make the worst decisions. I'm like, "What?" you know, like, "They take forever." or I ran out of gas, or I did this. No, you didn't. Did you contact the officer and tell them? No. Why? It's a, I didn't even it's think a 15 about minute that. drive. How come it took an hour and a half? <laughs>
2: exactly. I
1: swear, I've had that exact thing happen like multiple times, and they're by themselves. I tell you why nobody it took to an talk, hour talk and
2: them half. out of it because they didn't want to go.
1: Or yeah, but I think I think on what he said, he's like, "There's nobody there to talk him out of it." Like, "Legitimately, this is a bad idea. You shouldn't be doing this." They're like, "Hey, you know what? There's nobody here watching. Guess what? Where we is are." that
2: for us in the fire department, man? I've I've sat around going, "You know, what we should do," and then instead of the voice of reason, someone going, "No," they're like, "Yeah, I think that's what we should do." No, I try to be the voice of reason most of the time. Oh,
1: I don't know about that. I said most of the time, <laughs> I've done
3: stupid things. So one of the things that we've used in aviation, this is a comes from a major airline here. They use the word "cuss," and uh, <clears throat> it's when somebody in the crew, somebody in the operation, senses something that's not going right, not going in the right direction. So it's has levels. C is I'm concerned about this. U is I'm uncomfortable. with or S is I don't I, this is unsafe. We shouldn't be doing this. So everybody needs to have feel comfortable coming up with those things. We had a real problem with assertiveness in co-pilots, uh, where the guy would. Well, you know, the captain was basically, "Hey, I'm in charge here. Keep your feet off the seats. I'll call you." Was
2: it I mean. Korean Air, or the Korean flight, or the Japanese, a, or something? Were they were they? Just, they literally ran the out of fuel. The hierarchy was so freaking. Yeah, yes. Fricked, The navigator that You could fly into a mountain, you'd never say a word. The, right. Well the navigator
0: <clears throat> knew that they were running out of fuel and would not speak up. Right. Because what book was that? Was that from the it's design? Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. I don't remember which one, but he, <clears throat> he mentions that in that book. Mm. Yeah. And that got folded into fire service. What were we calling
2: that? There was a whole that whole book on it. And I didn't I didn't bite I didn't To me, this is this becomes very important that we create this environment where we say, you know, and this is a double-edged sword. We're sure like, I was about to, yeah, I'm yeah. about to pounce, but go ahead. Come on, oh, baby. no, I know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we, we've said <laughs> it, you know, where you're like, I'm not comfortable with this. I and want you to start doing uh, that know, whole hey, thing again. Yeah,
0: get up on that roof and cut me a vent hole. Well, I'm not comfortable with that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the, that's our sword concern. And that's where of. we, emo-
0: okay. we immediately go to, well, it's not a democracy, yeah. You know. Yeah. But and what so, you're kind of describing, Bob, is a democracy, right?
3: No, not really. I think that it has to be finally. You can't <laughs> you, you have to make sure everybody understands you just can't put the brakes on the operation because you don't feel like doing it. Because we're in an emergency situation. We're in a hazardous situation here and things have to be done that normal people don't do. So, I, that that's a
1: training issue, I think. Okay. I, I think it's a
2: managing expectations I, thing, I, too. I think that's
1: because you got to know your crews and who, how yeah. far you can push them. You know, just like we were saying before, but, you know, that. But
2: think about that officer. Unable. That doesn't create that environment. Like he, he rules with an iron fist. You would never think about questioning them. Yeah, from that's the bottom up. We grew up, up into that. Right. I understand know, what that, you're saying from the bottom up, but like from. But yeah, uh, you, you're like, Cap, but it's we're about to drive off the cliff. I mean, like legit. Mm-hmm. Like we really are about to do that, mm-hmm. but we've created such an environment where you just uh, you don't you don't say that, you just sit back and ride.
1: I think this generation is way more willing to challenge. Hmm. I think former generations probably weren't, but I think this one this one is way more willing Maybe to us question. Gen
2: Xers were more <laughs> more apt to not challenge, just do what we were told.
1: Yeah, because we came from that generation, you know, be you know, you're to be seen, not uh, heard.
2: Aren't we like? No, I was thinking Gen X was like the little more of the why we we tend to ask why. No, I'm a why person. Yeah, I don't, I find I don't know if a I'm person. I don't
0: know if I'm an anomaly or if I'm a well, representative. You are, of, you're a thousand percent an anomaly, you're absolutely, or if anomalies. I'm a representative of the group. But nope, you don't okay. represent any group.
2: All right. You're
1: all by yourself. <laughs> well,
2: i mean a little group. I'm sure there's others out there. <laughs>
1: nope, well, we would have found that we've searched and they've come up empty.
2: Let me show
3: you something that I thought was interesting. And this is a... You um, realize this is
1: not visual, right? Yeah, but it's for us, Chris. We haven't seen the presentation. Oh, you mean not for the readers. We'll get to the readers later. I'm just kidding. Uh,
0: Okay. um, And we are going to put this on the episode.
1: He's doing a very good one. So
3: this is 11 CFIT accidents. Again, that's control flight into terrain. This is where perfectly good airplanes fly into the side of a hill. An example would be um, Eastern 604. I think it's 601. any rate, these guys were going into Miami in a... um, I believe a 707, and they put the gear down, and one of the lights didn't come on. Everybody immediately focuses down on that one light. They don't hear the autopilot disconnect, and the airplane simply flies into the swamp, into the uh, Everglades, and kills about half of the passengers. And so that, that is a fit accident. You just think these things can't happen, but they do happen. It's not just flying into the mountain when you're supposed to be, because right. most of that is, you know, radar, keep you out of that. But but at any rate, they looked at these 11 CFIT accidents, and these are big deals because I think these 11 accidents killed about 500 people. And the two high points on the curve you can see are loss of situational awareness and application of procedures. So if you attack those two things, you know, you, you have a person who you get to a fire and you you notice that, uh, uh, you know, you're gonna make an attack on this. And again, I'm talking from a point of not knowing anything about firefighting, but nobody notices that there's dark black smoke coming out of the door well over here. Right. Uh, or nobody notices that there's, for some reason, there's, uh, you can see through the basement windows at, at ground level that there's fire down there. And this guy has 20 gallons of ref- furniture refinishing stuff that nobody's talked right. about. So this whole situational awareness thing, and then you combine that with application of procedures or disregard of application of procedures, and you, you've really got, got a um, pretty volatile situation where you can, you can head off a lot of stuff if you just deal with those two things.
2: Man, that that situational awareness piece is such a tough one. And then when yeah, you couple no matter, that
0: no matter how much you're gonna argue with the procedural policy and the you know, you can you can, we can argue that all day long about whether or not to break policy and procedure. But the other one you can't argue with. The situational awareness one, that's just us not being good at what we're supposed to do.
2: I, and the thing about the situational awareness, to me that's it's so Hard for me because when I hear situational awareness over the last few years, it's always it's always tinged with a negative connotation to it. Like we're attaching that it was something they did wrong. That's how I when I see and I hear people talk about uh, there was a lack of situational awareness or there whatever the case may be, risk analysis, what, blah, blah, blah. Like it was done. There was some it was done in error. But that's not always the case. No, it isn't. It's not always the case. Situational awareness, well, you may not be able to know you, some of those right. things.
0: You may not have all the facts.
3: That's right. Decision-making is very complicated, and uh, I'll just give you a, kind of an example here. of yes. These these are elements of prediction that we did in aviation safety, and I've I've only filled in the subheadings on two of them. But I think vantage point is really an important thing. You either have a perspective view. In other words, you can see the whole picture. You can see what's going on. You have kind of a proxy view. You can see the front of the house, but you can't see what's going on on the side or under the carport, or you have obstructed or no view because it's just Interior. the way you are. So vantage point to me is very and very important in terms of situational awareness. Go ahead, ahead. I like this.
1: I like this. I'm telling
2: you, it gets you thinking well, so
1: differently. For, like, fire ground command, and right. man, depending on where your command post is and the information being relayed to you by people on the scene, you know, that's a proxy view is what the radio transmission yeah. is going on. And, you know, you got all those guys that want to park themselves in the front front yard, you know, and not you know, not move or whatever. And my whole thing was, like, try to be a little bit more mobile. So, you know, so your, uh, uh, I guess, perspective view would be that, that, in, that safety officer who's kind of constantly staying moving. To look at all sides of the building all the time, you know, so that's very interesting. That really applies well to us. I think we don't even to me the, discuss uh, it as vantage
2: point though. The uh, the un, the obstructed or no view to me that is clearly that interior crew. Oh, I guess like in some way that could be that it proxy could be, view. It
1: could be command too.
2: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about you and I when uh, me you and Shane when we did the communication drill. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was very purposeful. It was right to try to create. This is a two-way street of communication, not command interior only, because interior has some information they need to share with us.
1: I want the viewers to know you weren't th- talking about yourself in the third person. There was another Shane. There shame. was another there's shame. Two Shane. There's two squared. Yeah.
2: Those who two know, chains. know. <laughs>
1: yeah. I thought it was – I just didn't want them to think that was weird.
3: <laughs> All right. Um, At any rate, I put an asterisk by the ones that I thought were um, applicable to you guys. Uh, there's certain things that, you know, you don't – we do in aviation that you don't do and vice versa – uh, but I also I outlined uh, experience. When you make a decision, you need to have a sense of what the outcome is going to be. And the outcome is going to be one or the other, okay? Either you can save the house or you can't save the house. You can put out the fire in the, on the ground floor, or you can't put it out. You have to have some kind of sense of what the goal wants to be. So for experience, if you have a person that's gotten in there and they and has experience with both outcomes, that's the highest you can have in terms of experience. Experience with uh, uh, some experience with both outcomes is below that. And then just out experience with one outcome, okay? You Either or. Seen, you haven't seen mm-hmm. the other one. Right, right. And then elemental is partial or irrelevant. You read yeah. a book about it. Yeah, you read a book about <laughs> it. You saw it in training Ooh. and that's all. So, at any rate, it's just some just something to think about there.
2: Well, and the you got the next one you have uh, start is the heuristics, and you can I can clearly see how that ties to the individual who has the experience with only one version of an outcome, one or the other. Yes, that's where it starts you down a path where you're like that rabbit hole. Oh shit! This is turns out not to be exactly like (laughs) like I thought it was going to work. Right? Yeah. So, at any rate,
0: just a thought on that. I want to ask you about one that's not starred. What is eminence in that?
2: Uh, it, the, oh, let's see if we can. Figure eminence it out. is the
0: is the business that you guys are in.
3: It's right happening right now. I got to okay. make a decision. Okay, or we're, we're on the way. We're driving there, and we're trying to figure out what it is. Should we need right. another truck? Do we need another rig with us? Uh, so, eminence has to do with the. We uh,
0: always talk about impartial information. Uh, yeah. Um, very shortened timeline. You know. Uh, imperfect information, yeah, all of those pieces kind of playing into what we Man. pull up to on a on a scene. But just to go back to the the flight stuff, how much of that, how much of that not knowing goes into? Because I mean, you got a flight plan, right? Mm-hmm. You've you've, and not just like where we say we've got a plan that we're going to go in the front door and turn right and put the fire out. You've got like a plan with numbers and departure times and things right. like that, right? Right. So, where does that fit in? Where does that not knowing fit in to what y'all do? When you're heading out through the Midwest and all of a sudden a big line of
3: thunderstorms blows up that you oh, never expected yeah. and you got to deviate all the way down to Texas to get around it, do you have the fuel um, you know, that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And for these guys here, uh, all of a sudden, the wind shifting for the firefighters that I deal with. You know, all of a sudden, the wind shifting, and that now the fire's not going up the hill; it's going down the hill, or it's going across the valley. So, eminence is a big deal for them. Okay. Here you were. Here you were talking about. I think this is where you, what you were alluding to here, uh, Bill. See if I can. Do you
1: think speak. situational awareness is just a new way of saying tunnel vision? Ooh,
0: yes. On. No. No. I, hold but, on a second. Well, I'll a wait.
1: lack of situational awareness yeah. might be that. Nah, but, yeah. I, yeah. 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 But uh, I mean, yeah. that's it's kind of like a more technical term of that. Because we talked about it. We, yeah. we always the talk about it. blinders were on. Yeah, yeah. Get there, you are taking in any more information. Right. Because there's a new term, uh, and he may have heard of it. It's called change blindness. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I think from the uh, airline industry or whatever. I, I feel the same thing. It's situational.
2: Tell what change blind, what is? It
1: says it's a phenomenon of a visual perception that occurs when a stimulus undergoes a change without being noticed by the observer.
3: I can tell you. Do we have time for a short war story? Heck yeah, Ooh, we let's got go. a time. We love war stories. Okay, so we get a call. Then this this actually rolls in a bunch of stuff here. We get a call. We're supposed to go out to, to the Cambodian border and resupply a special forces. We went camp back in time just a little bit. Yeah, okay. this is awesome. <laughs> this was
0: last week. This is yeah. what I'm waiting for. And <laughs> we, we, legitimately meant right, war. We, right. call we, say, uh, we
3: call this guy and we say, and this is the U.S. advisor to the special forces camp. We call this guy we say, hey, well, what's the situation? He says, well. You know, we've had taken some fire from the east, so uh, he said, just come in real low, and, uh, you know, that, that's the way to do it. You should be fine.
0: Yeah. So, okay. And what are you flying? Chinook. Okay. Big Chinook.
3: slow thing. Yeah. 40,000-pound <laughs> helicopter here. So, so at any rate, we're blasting in here, and I look down in the uh, field that we're just crossing, and there's three guys down there with coolie hats on eating lunch, and they immediately pick up their AK-47s and hose us down. So the Chinook is big enough, so we actually have rear view mirrors in it. And uh, I look in the rear view mirror, they have hit the combining transmission oil cooler, and it looks like Niagara Falls back there. So we aren't going very far on this. We got maybe a mile, which is about what we got to the camp. So we sat down at the camp, we're shutting things down, kind of normal procedure and everything, and I see these little gray puffs out there. Well, I've only been in country for like six weeks, so I don't know anything about anything. And I'm looking out there and I said, hey, look at that. Holy crap, he says, they're mortaring us. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so we, anyway, we shut the thing down. I grabbed the door gunners, we unpin the machine guns, we haul ass out the back of the thing. And we're literally from here to the road from the camp, right? And we run up to the road, <clears throat> we run up to the camp and we're laying down by the barbed wire trying to figure out how to get in. And the guy comes out of the camp and he's, he's like 12 feet over. He says, hey, the gate's over here. Talk about tunnel vision. We were so tunnel vision
2: at that point. <laughs> we, we didn't even look up enough to see how the hell the entrance was.
3: <laughs> Thank God that was there. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So we buzz in there. Anyway, that's the end of that story. Other than the debriefing on it is the guy that told us to come in here and everything was fine. He wasn't there. He was back at the city 20 miles away.
1: So oh, he talk no, about perspective.
3: Uh, he didn't have the perspective at all. So it just, I, I, at any rate, I just thought it combined. Give you yeah, some bad
1: intel. Yeah,
3: so we had <laughs> loss of situational awareness there. But like Bill was saying, decision uncertainty is, is common in the business we're in. You know, okay. you've got to make a decision on things. And, and decision makers seldom, if ever, have the complete
2: information. So. And Colin Powell talks about that, doesn't he? About the <clears throat> 70% of the information, make the decision or something? He had this rule. I don't remember that. I'm almost positive he had some rule about decision-making and not waiting Yeah. until you get 100%. Uh, yeah. You're no, never no, going to yeah. get it. But yeah. he had like this, I want to say it was like 50, 70 or something like that. 50, be very, very careful with making that. You know, yeah. You're taking on some risk. But once you hit about the 70, go with go yeah, with your yeah. decision. Yeah, combine that with your experience right. and procedures, et cetera. Which kind of gets back into the whole more. I was just about to say, it yeah. sounds like how more. Yeah. Experience education personality. Right. You didn't you education. didn't fly with him,
0: did you? No. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for you to drop another bomb. Yeah.
2: I was going to say, what we got next, Bob? I feel like I'm in class. <laughs> I know That's exactly what I feel like. Well, so, I, just, I was waiting for the next this, next
0: slide. Where did the PowerPoint come from, Bob? Is this just I out just of your head? Made it up yesterday. <laughs> what? I mean, this is like a class. I, I bet holidays are
1: fun for you guys.
2: <laughs> hey, I've got this holiday PowerPoint
1: I want to no, go would, over with you guys. In all, do it.
2: in all reality, they are a lot of fun because too- um, Bob and I have spent literally hours sitting on the beach drinking beer, talking about everything from leadership to management to Everything you can think of. And it's just been. It sounds like a combustible vacation. It sounds it so does. fun. <laughs> it
3: actually does sound like that, doesn't it? So here's some barriers to learning, um, which I'm sure, especially Billy, you're familiar with this. Oh, he's pointing Whoa. you out.
2: <laughs> Whoa. I, have,
0: I have serious barriers to learning. I Pay do. attention to this,
2: <laughs> no, no, no. No.
3: And These were put together. These are not for me, but they're put together by the head of the Special Operations Parachute Force in Britain. What do you think about that first one, buddy? Well, let, they they can't read it. Yeah, he needs to expand uh, okay. on that one. <laughs> so, reputational wait. disadvantage versus learning disadvantage. Reputational disadvantage means, man, I don't I don't want to look like an idiot here. You know, I'm supposed to be the most uh. experienced guy on the block, and oh, I, I was
2: going somewhere else with that. I am
3: not going to admit that I don't know what I'm doing here. Versus learning advantage, where you're going to go into an experience and you're going to actually learn from it. So it.
0: Kind of you go into it hoping to to make mistakes and change, yeah. Open to making mistakes and learning from them in front of everybody else, yep. So being Mm -hmm. humble,
3: and then a staff uh, with poor reporting behaviors, you know. Well, we're not going to report that because that's you know, a guy's shoot didn't open, but that's not that big a deal, you know. He made it, it was for him. Well, he had some (laughs) great videos on this where they're diving out of a look like a 130 to me. And they're going off a static line, and everybody's jumping. You, and you're supposed to jump feet first off a static line. Well, one of the guys goes out head first uh, because he forgets what he's doing and thinks he's going to free fall for a while. Well, it jerks him up, flips him upside down, tangles his chute. He has to cut it loose, you know. Uh, so, again, just not following procedures, but um, they decide, yeah, we're not. And, you know, he lived through it. He got his, you know. Somewhat
0: of a lack of situational awareness to remember exactly. that he yeah. was a lot on of a static line. line. Um, And they were kind of
3: editing out their mistakes on these things, and they never were really learning from their whole thing. So that that comes down to a fixed mindset versus a
2: learning mindset. Editing our mistakes. Go ahead. Your point. Go
1: Uh, ahead. Well, he talked about the fixed mindset versus, he said learning, but I I call it growth mindset. Yeah. And That's awesome. I love that That book, Mindsets, by Carol Dwick, I think it's the name.
3: So for you guys that are in management, I got one more slide for you here.
0: I feel like we're only scratching the surface here with Bob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Crew Resource Management, that's what they were calling it.
2: Yes. Yeah. Damn it, that's been bothering me. They, oh. that kind of, they tried to drag that into the fire service we, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we did. And yeah.
0: I was one of the people that when I started reading the book was like, and that's why I kind of got back with what we were talking about, Bob, was that it, the way they described it in the book, it it was a, they basically sounded like they were giving everybody the opportunity to say, we're not doing that. And I didn't like that.
3: No, it's not a veto power.
0: Well, it, and that's that's what you're saying now, but that's why I kind of resisted it when I read it the first time. It's
3: assertiveness. Right. Okay. So there's a difference between being aggressive, hey, you can't make me do that, and saying, this is really hazardous, I think. Okay, we'll, we'll put another guy with a hose behind you, you know, or whatever, right. whatever you do. You know, make sure that you're covered. Uh, so, yeah. No, okay. it's, it's assertiveness. Because like Shane was saying... Back in the old days, the wide-body airplanes were particularly bad in these airlines. Eastern Airline, I can talk about them because they're out of business. The captain was the was God. You right. didn't you did not question what the captain said. Well, there's
0: a, a story from, and I want to say again, it's a Malcolm Gladwell, but I can't remember. But it's a um, I want to say it was KLM, but it was it was a big airline. And no, he, you're
3: right. It was KLM.
0: He's the trainer. Oh, not KLM.
3: It was Korean Airlines.
0: Okay, this one was a, uh, he was the trainer for all of their pilots. Yeah. He was the head flight instructor or whatever. He, he decided what their training was. They end up on an island in the Caribbean uh, because of storms or something like that. And while they're waiting for the fog to clear, he's realizing that unless they take off now, they're not going to make it to their destination before they are not able to fly anymore which means they've got to put all the passengers into a hotel yep and it's it's this huge thing for the airline (laughs) so he's sitting on the runway and even though he doesn't have clearance and the runway's fogged in he throttles up and goes to take off and they shear the top off of another jet that was crossing the the runway and killed i mean hundreds and hundreds of people
3: yeah this is tenerife that's it yeah yeah yeah, Tenerife was the, is the largest aircraft accident ever.
0: Is that the Caribbean or did I put it in the wrong area of the, the in, globe?
3: No, it's in Tenerife.
0: It's over off the coast of Africa. Yeah, see, that's some horrible geography. But yeah, that was the one. But, yeah, and you that's did so just good. that to me is I mean, you're talking about the guy yeah, who the is trains, establishing right. the rules for everybody else and right, saying right. he's the the one that you're supposed to aspire to be like and modeling behavior and everything that you've talked about. And on that day he becomes the guy who says, "You know what? Screw this. Let's do We're it. We're taking off." Yeah. And nobody around him goes, "Well, I mean, I don't know." Maybe they did, but
3: good point. No, I think they had the flight data re- or the uh, voice recorders and nobody did. Nobody said, "Hey, this is not a good idea." <sighs> yeah.
0: See, that's just Yeah. That's amazing. And
3: and all that is meant to do, "Hey, this is not a good idea," or "I don't feel comfortable with this," is to make the leader of the
1: group think
2: stop for just a just Moment. a second maybe right. there's a better way to do this
1: right well that's why i was talking about the humility you know those those leaders that realize you know i can't see everything you know I, right. I, but there's so many that I, we've run into you know you know on uh, fire rounds and stuff like that. I got this figured out. I know how to do this, blah, blah, blah. And that is such a recipe for disaster. You always be open to, you know, other people saying things right. to you. And-
0: I, I've got two thing, two memories that pop right up when we talk about this. And one of them is a rookie mm. who didn't want to get on a roof. And I remember telling him, look, we're getting on the roof. I understand, you know, number one, this is the first time you've been on a roof. And, but here's, you know, and I'm going to explain it to you later. Why? But we got to go. There was that one, and there was the one where a driver said to me, "I don't think Cap, I don't think we should get on that roof. I'm seeing this on this side," and he was absolutely right. And I listened. I listened to both of them, but one of them we did it, and one of them we didn't. Yeah, you know, Shane, you made a
2: face. No, no, it was. Um, I, I think that's a I think that's a good thing, um, on both incidences because what it does, and we kind of talked about just a second ago, that pause. So that the captain, the battalion chief, said whatever. Is is there a better way? It it may be just enough of a pause that when they're heading down a pathway, which may be the right pathway, it could not be the right Right. pathway, and it might be just that little bit of a break, and it happens in just a flash, you know, fractions of a second, where you go, oh, it's a good point, or no, we're good. But either way, you went through this, again, the... This Uda Loop. I, I it yeah. just happened in a fraction of a second. So I guess my point saying that is when when you're challenged or someone has been assertive, don't take it as the a, no. a negative no like and where you you put yourself in a very defensive standpoint. Do like Hatch says and be a little more humble about it. Orient right, right. observe, orient, decide, act. It, it literally can happen, and you may not change anything. That but at least a, be open to it.
3: That is a big step in cultural improvement in the organization when you get to that point where the leaders can say, yeah, okay, I'll listen to you.
2: That's that yeah. whole um, – which Hatch uh, Hatch, and I went to uh, listen to Lynchioni, mm-hmm. and it goes back to the five dysfunctions of a team, which Bill does not like The You like the concept. You don't like the way that he writes that parable. I don't Fictional like parables. I can't yeah, parables, stand yeah. he, parables. he doesn't like that, which – but I know his, what you get you for Christmas? Except He's the Bible. All of them. Right? <laughs> except <laughs> the
0: what? Except for the Bible, right? Yes. Uh the love. Well played, Bob. What I, love, what I love about Lencioni was the trust equals forgiveness.
2: I, the That's, whole thing about trust is so important. I think the trust pay, piece is so important, whether it's uh the forgiveness piece or it's the foundational element of relationships and I just, I, I love that book. I just think it's so important. And that to me is where, whether you're the chief of a department or you're a captain or a sergeant or whatever, you, you are responsible for creating that environment that you are, you sit in, right. Whether you're at the top or if you're in middle, you know, you create that you had, you were in control of that, of creating that, um, that trust and relationship, because yeah. I do believe that is foundationally what makes it uh, a better place where you can have those conversations yeah. to, to say for improvement or whatever that case may be. I brought
3: along for you guys, NBAA, uh, which is the National Business Aviation Association, their safety survey that they give to their pilots when they go through recurrent training, just as a feedback of how are we doing in the safety business? How do you feel about the whole thing, procedures, management, et cetera? You're welcome to it. Well, it's- we're
0: our department has actually been part of a um, uh, research study
2: out of uh, – oh, I just forgot the
0: name. Yeah, I'm completely blanking on the name too. Uh, but it's called um, – <laughs> we're going to have to edit this out because I can't remember the name of the study now. <laughs> can, we, can we call Chris real quick? <laughs> yeah. We're just about – we're doing it right now. Again? We're doing it again, yeah. But it's a it's a safety culture, okay. uh yeah. you know, where every person in the organization has to answer a survey about sure. those kinds of questions. Do they feel like they're heard? Do they have concerns that yep. you know? So for you guys
3: in upper management, I just threw this in here. It's the iceberg of ignorance, you know.
0: I love that title. Well, wow, that's yeah.
3: It's 4% of the problems are known to top managers, but everything else is below the waterline. You know, 9% to middle managers, 74% are known to supervisors, and 100% are known to the frontline workers. So the, the idea is to try to flip this thing over and, uh, you know, get, get everything above the water. So, you,
0: so right. that's the knowledge of the problems. What about uh, what would that iceberg look like on the ability to create the change? Is it the four percent at the top? Is the
3: Oh no, definitely not. It's participation of everybody that's in the I, Amen. Yeah, no, no. Amen. Can't be run from the top. I just yeah.
0: I just I hate when when firefighters tell me that there's a problem but they they don't have any way to deal with it. Yeah. I'm like, no. Yeah. You might not be able to change the whole department with this problem but you can change it at your station you know you don't like the way and if it's such a good thing it'll should grow and can go right and it might be it might take longer to grow organically than it would if if it was implemented top down but the organic change is going to take it's going to take effect and it's going to hold much much better than that top down change that they're waiting on for sure you know
3: time for this heck yeah okay I put this together because this, this is what we found in aviation. I thought this was very, it shocked the crap out of us, I'll tell you.
0: And we're going to pause there. You can check out Bob's PowerPoint presentation on our website page for this episode. We'll pick up the discussion in our final segment with Bob, Part 3. Combustible is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Amazon, and everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to Combustible to make sure you don't miss out on an episode. Follow us on Facebook so we know how many of you listeners there are out there, and you can check us out online at combustiblethepodcast.com. As always, we would like to thank the Golden Dogs and True North Records for letting us use their song Saints at the Gates for our theme music. You can find the Golden Dogs music on any streaming platform. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you later.